back to Victor E. History Podcast from the History Department at Forte State University, home of Victor E. Tiger. Here at Victor E. History, Professor Holly Marquez and Professor Nami Guha highlight student, faculty, and alumni research. I'm Nami Guha, and today we are here, many of us are here, to record the final episode of our season three. So we're joined by two faculty members, Professor Amber Nickel and Professor Holly Marquez, as well as three students, history majors, Ashlyn Carson, Alex White, and Sarah Keith. Now this is put this has been put together because all five of them uh, went on a study abroad trip to Poland, organized by Professor Amber Nickel and Professor Holly Marquez. Welcome guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, so my first question is for the instructor of this course, Professor Amber Nickel. So tell us about the course that you taught and how you weave the study abroad element into it. Sure thing. The course itself was titled Jewish Life in Central and Eastern Europe Before, During and After the Holocaust. And I broke the course up into two kind of manageable chunks. We focused on Poland in the beginning and then the Soviet Union in the end. And in each section, of course, those core components, Jewish life before, during, and after. So the students had completed extensive reading, discussions, and writing on these core elements of Jewish life in Poland prior to our departure for Poland. Um, and so I think that hopefully that informed their experience a little bit more than may have otherwise been. Awesome. And we'll hear from the students as well about their experiences. Uh, my next question again is for Amber. What were the key ideas that you wanted the students to have in mind as they were leaving and once they got to Poland? Um, so kind of just to hark again back to that before, during and after. Often when folks learn about the Holocaust, they only learn about that moment, that moment of death. And so they tend to overlook the fact that Jews lived extremely vibrant, complex and diverse lives in Central and Eastern Europe before the Holocaust. And you can only, I think, understand uh, the extreme rupture that was caused by the Holocaust by thinking deeply about what came before. Um, and then, of course, for a lot of folks, then Jewish life just ends, right? The Holocaust mm -hmm is where it ends. Uh, but in reality, Jews do persist um, and they do develop very vibrant cultural lives in Eastern Europe in the wake of the Holocaust. Uh, clearly these are these are different and there is a lot of trauma that's left over from this, but I wanted students to walk away with a more complex understanding. The other thing I really wanted them to also think about is uh, Jews that lived as neighbors in a very complex, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multilingual landscape. Uh, so to understand uh, that they weren't isolated in little kind of pods of their own, but they're actually interacting with Poles. And then on the other end of that, that Poles were Jewish neighbors, uh, which leads me kind of to the final thing I wanted them to take away. And that is how Poles are grappling with the remnants of Jewish life uh, and with the, the very real culpability that they have uh, in many cases in the murder of their Jewish neighbors. Wow, that's a that's a lot of complex ideas to, uh, you know, have in mind as you're leaving for the trip. Uh, so my next question is for Holly. What are some of the key locations you visited during this trip and why did you guys pick these places? Dr. Nickel did 
so much work to make this trip happen and to plan it down to every little thing that we did. We first stayed in Krakow. We stayed in the Kazimierz district, which was the old Jewish quarter. So we wanted to have students see what traces of Jewish life they could see, those remnants. Can they still see evidence of mezuzahs in the doorways? We went to Jewish cemeteries and saw what those looked like and the Jewish community center and the Krakow ghetto. So we did so much there. And then we moved to Warsaw. We stayed near Old Town. There were a number of amazing museums that we went to there, including the Warsaw Uprising Museum and the Pauline Museum. And then lastly, we went to Ostvenshem. We spent two days in Auschwitz, but staying in Ostvenshem was really important because students could see how close this town was to the camps. We actually walked back to our hotel from Auschwitz once so that they could get a sense of that space and how close it was. Uh, students do a lot of reading about these places, but really getting a sense of that space helps make their class reading much more meaningful. Wow. Uh, so let's hear from the students next. So uh, what made you guys opt to or choose to go on this trip? Ashlyn, let's start with you. Yeah, well, I was really excited for how unique of an experience it would be because a lot of us hadn't internationally traveled and I had never traveled with other like history students. So I was kind of excited to see how that was going to go because we would all be interested in where we were going. So, yeah. Sarah? I was really excited just to go to a different country. I'd never been out of the country before. And um, I didn't know a lot about Jewish life or really anything. So I was excited to learn about it in like the actual places. Awesome. Alex? I kind of fall in with uh, them too. I've never been to a new country. And I think getting to be around a new culture and a, a new language especially really puts yourself uh, in like an uncomfortable situation, but it's a good uncomfortable situation that teaches you uh, really good lessons. Awesome. Um, so now I want to, again, you know, what Professor Nichols said at the beginning, how she put the course together with the study abroad component into it. How had the course prepared you for what you could expect on this trip? Sarah, let's start with you. Well, um, learning before going on the trip, I just had a lot more background on the topic itself. So like I understood the things that we were seeing um, and we learned a lot about Jewish life and customs. So like we got to understand um, what we were seeing at synagogues and how they worked. Um, and it gave us a lot of background for the historic sites. So we were kind of able to think about them in a different way because we already knew a lot of the content so we could think differently. Awesome. Alex? As a class, we met uh, once a week, um, an extra time. And Dr. Nichols would go over the itinerary and everything planned. And everything was explained right down to the um, most minute detail. And so obviously there is going to be like some shock when you do show up, but we knew what to expect because the course was planned so well. Awesome. Ashley? Yeah, similar to what they both said. I liked how we got to learn a lot of the background and more of the culture and customs in the class. But then we had those extra meetings to kind of talk about the travel aspects of the trip and get yeah all those extra details that all of us needed to hear before we were actually going to travel. So I really enjoyed both of those sections. That's amazing to hear. So for all of you, as you guys have mentioned, for all of you except Amber, this was your first time visiting Poland. 
initial thoughts when you got there? Holly, let's start with you. My initial thought was I've been up for 25 hours. This shell driver is driving at the speed of light and making his own lanes on these very tiny streets. So my initial thought was this is terrifying. But once we actually arrived safe and intact, my initial thoughts were that it was so charming. There was beautiful buildings, these lovely cobblestone streets and everything uh, was just gorgeous. And the hotel that we stayed at in Krakow was probably the coolest hotel I've ever stayed in. Wow. Alex? I agree with Holly. I probably wouldn't say it's the best hotel I've ever been in, but it was most unique. As well as the architecture, it's pretty easy to uh, tell what is pre-Soviet. And uh, I, for one, did not enjoy the Soviet architecture uh, and housing. It seemed pretty bland to me. And uh, I just got tired of looking at it by the end of the trip. But uh, yeah. Okay. So, so mixed bag of emotions, Ashley? Uh, my first thoughts were how it didn't even feel real. Like we landed and I was like, oh my gosh, like we are actually in Poland. And then mm-hmm. as we were driving to the hotel, we got to see like more of the buildings. And it was really cool because our driver was like, oh yeah, like that's a really old castle that's just on the hill right there. Or there's another really interesting building that like we just saw with on on the drive. So it was just really cool to experience that. Wow. Um, so, Amber, let me turn to you because obviously, you know, you've been to Poland many times. And I'm, uh, and so this was your first time taking students with you. How was it different for you revisiting these places? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Poland and I actually spent uh, six weeks doing a very similar trip as part of an Auschwitz fellowship. So uh, those times I I was the student in many ways. I was there to learn about the place, learn about the culture. And, and this time I, I was as always a student as a traveler as well. Um, but I was most interested in watching what stood out to students uh, because I was interested to see if, if what I had taught had landed, if they saw something I didn't see. Um, these kinds of things. So I spent more time watching them than I did watching Poland. Um, not in a creepy way, though, I promise. I was going to ask. <laughs> um, so uh, what was the one part of the trip, if you could single out one moment or one place you visited that stood out for you? Sarah, let's start with you. Um, of all the places that we visited, um, we visited many um, Jewish cemeteries. We visited one in, or two in Krakow, and um, one in Warsaw, one in Auschwitz. Um, the cemeteries definitely stood out to me the most. I really could kind of better visualize what happened to the Jewish community during and after the war, because the cemeteries had not, like, really been maintained. Um, so you could see, like, how big of a Jewish population there was kind of before the war and then how little is left now. Um, So that like kind of going to all of them really stuck out to me and I learned a lot from going there. Wow, awesome. Ashton? I really enjoyed going to the Poland Museum, which was in Warsaw. It was such a big museum and it had a lot to look at and it was really interesting to walk through because we had headphones that the tour guide was speaking through a microphone. So we could easily be hearing what she was saying and still look at everything. And it was just interesting to look at all the different artwork and how much content the museum actually covered. Wow. Also, if I could ask you what sort of content was covered at this museum? 
from the beginning of Jewish history, like all the way to modern day. It like covered it pretty much all of it. <laughs> wow. Um, Holly? So I have done a lot of reading about Auschwitz. So getting to see that space and be in that space was really meaningful. But honestly, I would echo Amber in that seeing this trip through the student size was really special. So Ashlyn just mentioned the Pauline Museum. At one point, Alex actually called me over to a 3D map and he was able to show me where we had walked the day before from a castle to a particular church that we were trying to find. And so getting to see students get excited about what they were seeing was really special for me. Wow, amazing. Uh, so how did it change? And this again is for more for the students, but how did it change your outlook and what you knew about Jewish history? Alex? Um, in the United States, we obviously learn about the atrocities that the Nazis committed against the Jews and Poland's no different in that sense. What I wasn't expecting to learn is that the Polish people live in the places and they, they had, they, have their everyday lives where these were committed. And then sometimes you think you, if you observe them, you don't even think that they realize like where they're walking and, and maybe they don't have respect for the grounds they're walking on. And these people, they could have a full-time job at Auschwitz and maybe they, it doesn't seem like they really like fully comprehend that they're working there. But also working at a place like Auschwitz, I think you have to be desensitized to an extent to fully like our tour guide. Mm -hmm. She was great, but she said she has to be desensitized to really give her tours like the full um, grand scope of what happened. And she was full, chock full of information and um, she was really good. But I, I guess that's the main thing I took away is that these people live in a place where horrible things happened to Jewish people who are pretty much non-existent in places like Auschwitz, but um, they just go on living their everyday lives. Right. And I think, you know, I mean, especially as a tour guide, if you are giving people this tour every single day, you know, talking about atrocities every single day, I mean, how do you protect yourself? from feeling the impact of this is, you're right, you have to desensitize yourself to a certain degree. Um, Sarah, what was your experience? Um, well, as I kind of mentioned before, I knew very little about Jewish history. So um, I basically was learning the whole time. Um, and I think Alex brings up a really good point, just seeing how people, other people now live in these Jewish spaces and kind of seeing their place now in society. And then um, at the same time, we also got to learn about um, what the Jewish communities look like now. Like we got to go to the Jewish Community Center in Krakow and um, see how they're kind of trying to rebuild the community. And um, that really was cool to see. And I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of what Jewish life might look like um, in modern day society. So and from their perspective as well. Yeah. Right. Okay, so let's talk about a little bit of fun things. And this is where I think people like me who didn't get to go on the trip get to be super jealous. Uh, and we'll talk about food now because, you know, why not? Um, so tell us about some of the authentic food that you ate there, which, you know, you, you get some version of it in the United States, but it has to look very different when you're eating Polish food in Poland. 
Um, so I want to hear from all of you. So Ashlyn, did you want to start as well? Sure. Um, by far the favorite thing I got to try was the sapi sapir kanika, I think is how it's said. It's like um, a baguette that had like ham and cheese and mushrooms on it. So it's kind of like a open face sandwich or like a pizza, like Polish pizza. But mm -hmm. it was really good. And I actually got to try it the first night we were there. So that was interesting that the first and best thing that I had was on the first night. And you were hooked onto it for the rest of the trip. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Alex, what about you? What did you get to try and really liked? Well, all semester long, or I guess up to up until that point, Amber had been um, talking very highly of pierogies. And the few times I did have pierogies, they were all right. I wasn't going <laughs> to write about them or anything. Um, I, I think I was pretty underwhelmed with the whole experience of eating a pierogi. But uh, I think for the uh, the the food I loved the most when I was there was the uh, I had potato pancakes in uh, in uh, Ashvensham, okay. and it's like a potato pancake layered with ham uh some peppers mushrooms and like a layer of sour cream and then another potato pancake so it was like a giant sandwich <laughs> you just kind of went at it i probably could have ate that every single meal in poland it was amazing wow no wonder the faculty decided to make you guys walk ten thousand steps every day if that's the kind of food you guys were eating you had to burn it off some some way uh sarah what about you um I didn't try a lot of authentic Polish food. I think the main thing was also the pierogies and they were good, but they weren't exactly what I was expecting. Um, I something, this isn't necessarily like authentic Polish food, but there was a lot of um, like kebab places, which I never expected. They were like everywhere. So I had that pretty frequently and they were good and just, Overall, the food, like everywhere, was a lot fresher and a lot better. So I really enjoyed kind of trying all the different food places they had there. Wow. I think, and I think Holly and I were talking yesterday, and she was talking about not enjoying the pierogies either. I think Holly has a different take on the food from there. Yeah, no one loves pierogies like Dr. Nickel loves pierogies. She even got to take a picture with a stuffed pierogi guy, which uh, we could put on the the website if you want. Um, Polish food, I agree with Alex. I think Alex and I had similar like lukewarm thoughts about pierogies, but the potato pancakes and Osvenshem were amazing. Mm -hmm. We also had a Sri Lankan refugee made a Sri Lankan buffet for us at Cafe Bergson in um, Osvenshem. And none of us had had Sri Lankan food before. So that was amazing. We had a really memorable night at a Georgian restaurant where we tried a bunch of Georgian food. And honestly, just the bread. I was just eating all the carbs. So the breakfast in Krakow was so much fresh bread and croissants and all of the bread was amazing. Wow. Okay, so now we need to hear from somebody who loves pierogies so that pierogies in general don't get a bad rap. Amber? I actually didn't have amazing pierogies this trip because I couldn't find anywhere where they would fry them. Um, <laughs> pierogies must be fried. I'm not a boiled pierogies kind of gal. Um, but I do want to point out that this conversation points out uh, something that most folks don't know about Poland, and that's that it's increasingly more and more multicultural. And so, uh, you know, my favorite foods to eat in Poland are not always Polish food. I spend a lot of time eating kebab, especially in the middle of the night. 
um, and Georgian food. But I think overwhelmingly, all of the students were drawn to one thing in particular, um, and that's ponchiks or Polish donuts. Uh, so I know students went every day for two or three or five donuts. Uh, and I'm not judging them at all because I too wish to have a donut right now. So, so just for just for our listeners who might not be familiar with Polish donuts, is it pretty much the same as what we get here? It's kind of like a jelly donut, but much much better. Sometimes you can get ponchecks in the states um, on like Mardi Gras near Mardi Gras on Fat Tuesday. They'll sell them, but they still aren't the same because they don't have the delicious feelings like rose. They're not topped with like candied ginger. Um, the poles, the poles do it right. Oh wow! Okay, so now everyone, so for everyone who's listening right now, who is super jealous of the experience that the students had from this trip. Um, you know, fret not because Professor Nichol and Professor Marquez are still in the process of organizing another study abroad trip. Woohoo! So do you guys want to tell our listeners about that? Yeah, this actually started as a conversation. I believe we were in Ospension, but it may have been all the way back in Warsaw. Students were so excited and we're already talking about how can we get back here? What trip should we take next? And we started talking, Dr. Nicole and I worked really well together. We're both planners. So we, while we were still in Poland, decided we were going to do another study abroad on World War II resistance movements in Europe. So by the time we landed, we already had planned out like who was going to teach which resistance movement. We would like to take students to France and Germany for that trip and potentially Austria as well. So let me guess, do you guys already have a syllabus done, ready to go? Not quite there yet, but we're working on it. Do you guys have a sort of a vague idea about when this trip might happen so that students have something to, you know, think about? Yeah. We would like to do spring of 2025. Now, that's not necessarily just up to us. So we have to fit in with the larger department. We don't want to monopolize, you know, be the only study abroad people. Although, I mean, that would be fine with us, but the rest of the department might have some things to say about that. But spring 25, maybe spring 26, but hopefully spring 25. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you guys for joining up, you know, for showing up today at 8 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, the week before finals, because that's always fun. Thank you all for being here. Uh, so if, if you are interested in pursuing a history or history education degree and go on these awesome study abroad experiences at FHSU, whether it's online or on campus, visit www.fhsu.edu backslash history to learn more. Credit for the music for this podcast goes to our student music major, Nathan Weiss, who created and produced the music for this podcast. Subscribe by email to get notifications on episodes. You can find our Victor E. History podcast on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Spotify, or at victorehistory.com. Mm-hmm.